Okay, just to start off with a bit of review, the first thing that we said that you said was that you were getting a really a lot out of the practice that you had started doing since you were talking to me. Yes. And then you began just to talk about anxiety. And my first question about that was, is that, um, is this anxiety that's been there all along, or is this new anxiety that you're experienced because of the meditation? Or is it the old anxiety that now you're seeing in a new way that you're really taking a look at it now? So I would say there's been a level of anxiety that's existed with me all along. And mm -hmm. then what's happened is that I began noticing my anxiety. And I think that's when I started looking into it a bit deeper and um, I started speaking with it, uh, speaking about it with my fiance, and I reached out to you. So it's 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 kind of it's been at a certain level, and then I realized, noticed it, and it got a bit higher at a higher point. I reached out, and then now it's just a little bit higher than that because now I'm actually noticing it more often. It's like so that there's always That's been that tense exactly feeling. Exactly what I was asking. Uh -huh. Of that tense uh -huh. feeling, so well, I can feel the effects it's having on me. And that makes me more anxious. <laughs> this is one of the, um, let us call it an issue as opposed to either a problem or a benefit. But this is what happens with all the students is, is that they begin to see things that they didn't see before. And they begin to see a whole lot more of the things that they did see before, but weren't looking so much and they didn't really want to see it anyway. And now it comes around and like slaps us in the face. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, See that as a good thing. Because it really is marvelous that you're actually now beginning to see what's been driving you all of these years. And you begin to see that, in fact, you have been um, responding subconsciously to that anxiety by feeling the weight and feeling like that you're under the, the strain and the weight of Literally. something. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that people can get that way to where their whole posture is bent. And they're doing it themselves because they're feeling like they're under the weight of some burden. And all that burden is is, is, a, is a feeling that they're carrying around. They're giving themselves a really strong feeling. One of the ways that I talk about this is, is that that kind of, some people call it a free-floating anxiety in the sense that they don't know what the source of it is, that it can just come up at odd times and places. But what they're really thinking about is, is that um, we become aware of it at odd times, but that uh, the actual thing that's going on is, is that the blood chemistry shows that it's not so instant that we can have a thought and that thought will like turn on a valve and then that valve will begin to fill up a bucket. But it was only one thought moment to turn that valve on. And now if we don't have a, the right kind of thought moment, we can if we do have it, we can turn that valve off. But still, we have to deal with the mess. What's in the bucket? Yes. Yeah, the, the residual of the um, anxiety. So one of the ways of thinking about it is, is that, let's start this way. The problem with anxiety is not anxiety. 
The problem with anxiety is, is that we don't like it. That in fact, another way of looking at anxiety is when the uh, uh, the boxers or the uh, the wrestlers pump themselves up getting ready for a fight. Yeah. Anxiety is nothing but being in a dangerous situation, getting ready for a fight, but you don't know who or where the fight is. Yeah, yeah. Because, because in fact, there's no reason to be ready for a fight because there's no fight. Yes. Okay. We spoke about this the last time as well. We said it's like a, like an overprotective dog. It's it's trying to um, it's trying to protect me from something. It's trying to you know, but at the same time, there's no need for it to. Well, here's interesting. More. Let's go one step further, and that is is that you've already admitted it, like everybody will, is that you don't like the anxiety. Yes. But you can also admit that in some cases, some people will, in fact, like that same pumped up feeling. Because they intend to put it to work. Okay. Okay. But in fact, that that pumped up feeling is often also the same thing as. Uh, um, oh, here's an example in football especially American football, when the guy makes a touchdown or they have a goal, what the guy does is he'll take and spike the ball. He'll throw his hands in the air and he'll cheer. And there's a big, what they call, adrenaline rush. Yeah. Okay. Guess what? They like it. Well, then why is it that you don't like it? So it's a matter of reframing. Because you've got no war to fight. You've got no touchdowns to make. You've got no goals to make. And you don't like this being pumped up. You don't like this ready to go and you don't know where to go. There's no war here. Right? Well, now here's something interesting about that. And that is that if you don't like the feeling of this adrenaline rush, of this anxiety, if you don't like it, that's the same thing as saying something's wrong. And by saying something is wrong, that means that that part of the brain that goes into service when something is wrong is going to turn that adrenaline tap right back on again. And it is a samsara. It is a cycle that we get into that we that we pump ourselves and then we don't like it and that keeps that cycle going okay there's another way of doing it and that is is that we have to come out of that not liking the anxiety and start dealing with it as if it were um many different possible other things for instance a messenger hey this anxiety has a message for me let's at least hear him out or it out, or her out. Let's at least figure out what's going on. Let's take a look. Or another one is uh, not just a messenger, but a trusted messenger, an envoy of yours who has come to inform you of something that you need to know. Or you can see this anxiety as a trusted friend. 
some that you know that you've got it in you that you can go to to war if you need to go to war. But right now, I don't need to go to war. And so we can now take the whole attitude of let's not be critical of that anxiety, but rather let's nurture it instead. Yeah. Let's it's see. Not, that, is that, let's take. So we investigate. We take a look. We take a really deep breath, and we say, "What is this anxiety? Is it located any particular place in the body?" When I ask that question, almost everybody always says the same thing. So I'll ask it for you. If you could place anxiety someplace located in the body, where would it be? I feel it. Yeah. Ah, exactly. I feel it, yeah. <laughs> right there. Always, always. Yes. Uh huh. And it feels tight. Which awesome. means that if you start to breathe deeply, we can kind of move it up and around that we can breathe into this anxiety rather than hating it. Because if we hate it, we shy away from it. And if we shy away from it, we shut our breathing down even more. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that when, when I'm anxious, to, I struggle. Right, now we're going to investigate it. We're going to open up. We're going to expand. We're going to let that out. We're going to, um, as I say, investigate. Take a look. Can, in fact, you get the, uh, the anxiety to pulsate at the rate of your breathing. So that as you even intentionally breathe or uh, slow your breathing down, the pulsation of the anxiety also will come down. That means that in fact, you can control it just a little bit. See, before you thought you were completely out of control of the anxiety, but it ran your life. Well, guess what? So long as you're running away from it, it's chasing you and it does run your life. But when you turn around and treat it like a friend and let's investigate and see what's going on and we stop hating it and start just being okay with it, then we can figure out what's going on and we can keep nourishing ourselves. Everything's all right. Everything is fine. And then you begin to really, really turn that old adrenaline tap off. So you, you can get into a state of well-being. By nourishing yourself with words, you can nourish yourself to the point that you can actually feel this sense of well-being, that everything is fine, no dangers, no, nothing no, nothing to be anxiety or tensed up about, nothing in the future, everything that's happening right now is fine. Okay. I think... Uh... The, the the thing with generalized anxiety, it's um, it's like it's so persistent because I can do the breathing exercises. You I know when it's persistent. You know when it's persistent. It's persistent in the fact that every time you notice it, there it is. Yeah. And every time you notice it, it's and there it is, you I'm don't done. like it. With a ten-minute meditation session, well, as soon as I'm done with a breathing session and then I, I just look and it's there it's there it's a intense feeling I just like I just released all of this where did this come from why is it still here ah yes that's an important question to look at where did it come from there is a sutta about that I think it's number 64 but the sutta actually is a sutta to where the man 
was shot by an arrow. And his friends saw him lying there with the arrow sticking out. And so they called a doctor quick to come and take care of their friend. And the doctor's there with his uh, arrow pulling equipment and his salves and all of the stuff that they had in the time of the Buddha. And the guy says, wait a minute, doctor. Before you pull this arrow out, I want to know who shot me. I want to know what kind of bow he used. I wanted to know what kind of training program that he went through. And I want even to know the Fletchers who made this arrow. I want to know all about it. And when I know all about why and what for about this getting shot stuff, then I'll let you take the arrow out, but not until. Okay. Well, that's a very interesting sutta in a way that we can deal with this anxiety without particularly worrying about where it came from. That in fact, we, one thing that we can pretty well count on and that is that, that it's old. It's, it's not new. Yeah. Right. You really don't have an actual snake in your house. You're not infested with poisonous spiders. You do not, in fact, have a full-grown alligator in your bathtub. I, just to be honest, I wouldn't mind all of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a biologist, so I, I have no issues with those. <laughs> do you know what your level of anxiety would be right now if you knew that there was actually an alligator in your bathtub? <laughs> I don't think that you'd be wanting to have this conversation with me. You'd be so upset. <laughs> We would be laughing and smiling if there was a real one there. This is what I'm getting at is because you yeah. know there's not one there. You can cheer up. Yeah. That you in fact safe. Never mind where this anxiety comes from. We have to basically talk ourselves out of it. By telling ourselves, hey, things are safe. There's no reason to feel this way. I'm okay. Let's see if we can play with this new toy, this thing that's here. Let's breathe into it. Let's move it around. Let's uh, um, uh, experiment with it, play with it a little bit. So you mean, in other words, sort of like take control of it. So take, as you said, move it around. And in a playful way. In a playful way. Not in a vicious way, but in a playful way. Yeah. I, I, I notice I'm still always constantly trying to suppress suppress it. Uh, I think it's because of the sensation. So uh, there's still like a negative association with the sensation. So even if I'm doing the breathing exercise, even if I'm doing the meditation, it's always to an end. It's always to try and push it down. So and that makes it worse. And, and <laughs> as well as now you've got two problems. One is there's anxiety and two, you don't like it. Yeah. And we're changing that around. At least I can take control over one of those. And with with proper practice, I can take care of both of them. One is, is that I don't have to hate it. I can make it a friend. I can treat it like a, um, a messenger, an envoy. Something's happening that I need to know about. And, and the message will become clear if I only pay attention to what's going on. There, but if we hate that messenger, as soon as we see that messenger, we know he's got bad news. I don't want to hear any bad news. Get out of here, messenger. I don't care what you have to say. Go, go away. I don't want this anxiety. And then we don't learn anything from it at all. Yeah. It's 
always assuming it's bad news. You're like, and then we ask questions like, where does this stuff come from? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes. Okay, go ahead. I think the 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 thing I struggle with is that there's like there's all of this there's a lot of this understanding and um, you know I've actually been uh, following your practice of basically just trying to figure out in my mind and pursue what's wholesome rather than focusing on the unwholesome. Awesome. So sometimes mm -hmm. when I'm anxious, I think of what's the wholesome thing I can do to change this. So that's been. I have been so <laughs> sneaky the past ten minutes, doing just that. Changing it from an anxiety that we don't like into being a messenger, being an envoy, being a friend, turning it out of the unwholesome into the wholesome. Guilty, yes. Your Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Basically redirecting, creating that redirection all the time. Um, but then sometimes it's just down the rabbit hole again. So I'll be doing something wholesome and then something else will trigger and completely unaware I am down the rabbit hole again. And then once I'm there, it's the sensation that I'm, uh, you know, kind of steeped in that. I, it just creates all the negativity again. So then I forget that I was actually doing something wholesome and forgetting that the purpose was wholesome. And, you know, this was the reason I was doing it. So, well, the joy is or the beauty about this whole thing is, is that the sooner that you wake up to that, the easier it is to come out of. To, when when you when you are going around la de da wholesome and you trip and fall, the thing to do is to pop right back up, dust yourself off, and continue on the dance, continue boogieing. Yeah. The problem is, is that once we fall down and we say, "Oh my goodness, I'm a victim again. Let me lay here and feel bad for a long time." <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and, and when I feel bad enough, long enough, then I'll let myself up. And the answer to that is, yep, and now's the time. <laughs> Just get up and go. I don't need this wallowing in my own self-pity. Exactly. But we have to remember to do that, to catch it. As soon as we catch it, we can come right out of it. So one of the ways of saying it is that it doesn't matter what skills you develop in learning to control your mind, if you don't have the skill of sati, which means to remember to put this skill set into gear, yes. then you're yes. not going to do it. Scott, sati is the number one skill to wake up to that stuff instead of laying in it and feeling bad. Yes. Is to wake up and say, hey, I can deal with that anxiety in a completely different way. I can make a friend out of it. I don't have to feel like it is jumping on me. Absolutely. On my chest, literally. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, that, that's that's the thing. It's the remembering. It's um, remembering that the sensation is just all that it is. It's just sensation. There's nothing to it. Even if it's the, 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 the reason for the anxiety is past, that's it's like just that's all it is. It's just a. It, the, I think the problem is also like I keep labeling it a bad feeling. You know, like that yes. same that tension. It's just I always automatically I don't even realize it, but I'm labeling it a bad feeling. And because I label it a bad feeling, then it's already creating these negative uh, thought patterns and pushing me deeper into this 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 pit of anxiety. So mm -hmm. and when you call it that way, it's really and when you talk about it that way, it's really, really hard to understand what it actually is that people who 
are labeled thrill seekers what they actually like? The answer is what you don't like, anxiety, they call it thrill. Yeah, yeah. And here you are all thrilled up and you don't like it a little bit. <laughs> I think I'm just too excited. That's the problem. I'm way too excited. I can't contain myself. <laughs> well, yeah, but see that you can create all of that in their, in your own mind and they need a motorcycle. <laughs> to I go wouldn't get that thrill. This is what uh -huh. I'm trying to say. It's just it's so sometimes the circumstances are such that you need to focus and you can't be thrilled. I can't be thrilled about anything right now. So how do I channel that energy that I need to experience in order to focus? Ah, but that's just what we're talking about in with the Anapanasati is actually that's what we're doing. We're actually focusing now, but instead what we're focusing on is that sensation that is that thrill. And we're looking at it and we're saying, can I breathe into that? Can I breathe out? Can I move it around? What is it trying to tell me in, in now? What does this thing mean now? Like not where it came from, but what's it, what's it saying? Do I have to hate it? Yeah. Okay, so this is all of the investigation and that investigation. Mm -hmm to keep looking, to keep watching, to keep uh, uh, listening to what it has to say, and to know <clears throat> that above all things, the most important is to understand that there are causes, that this did not spontaneously arise. Every fire has a fuel. Something happened that puts you in this state of anxiety, and it must happen often because you're in a state of anxiety often. So as you begin to practice, you'll get quicker and quicker, and pretty soon you'll be able to see not the anxiety that you're struggling with, but you begin to see anxiety as it arises. And then when you get even sharper than that, you can see what causes this anxiety to arise. You can see these thought moments that'll happen. One example would be that uh, the electricity bill comes in and we know we don't have enough money to pay for it. And so we don't want to open the envelope. We don't want to see that bill. We're avoiding it. Okay. And yet there will be a mind moment where just that, just an envelope, just the image of an envelope will flash through the mind at a tenth of a second. And that, that one thought mind moment will then turn that anxiety on and we did not have to go through all of the sequence from seeing the letter, see that it was from this, opening it in our mind, seeing that it was a high law, a high bill, I can't pay the high bill, therefore I feel bad. It was from image of letter, right to feel bad, go. And then when we're already full in, and you say, how did we get here? The answer is that is you'll see that pretty soon. You'll see those things happen that pop into the mind that turn that spigot on. And there's no benefit trying to predict what's in the letter because you're going to open it anyway. You're going to see what's in yeah. it anyway. There's no benefit gain. And the from question is, how many times are you going to feel bad about that letter before you open it? Yeah. The answer is every time I think about it, I'm going to feel bad. <laughs> yeah, 
And I don't even have to think about it strongly, just a blip of an image of it, and then I'm feeling bad. Yeah, yeah. I notice that um, when I'm anxious, I tend to look for for all kinds of explanations and all kinds of answers. And psychologically, you, you can find I, a whole lot of things to feel bad, I bet. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> all it does. It, it makes me feel bad. It gives me an explanation for why I'm feeling this way, and then makes me feel worse about feeling this way. So it's like, it's just, it's, it's, it's an absolute vicious cycle. And for me, it's also like a time-wasting procrastination sort of cycle because they, you're just delving into things that you really, it's not going to benefit anyone in really knowing this. It's, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to break the loops. I think that's, that's the thing I'm, I'm really struggling with. It's hard to break the loops. But, well, don't um, struggle with it because you're already seeing you. You're already being successful at it. Recognize that you can do this. Don't grasp and cling for what you don't know yet, but congratulate yourself for being able to see. <clears throat> you're you're you've gotten a new skill that you're developing now, and that skill is to see, to open your eyes, to investigate, or in fact, to get in touch with all of this anxiety and stuff. And the sooner you get in touch with it, the less effect it will have upon you, the less it will control you. <clears throat> that it, in fact, can only control you when you don't notice it. Then it will drive you, and you don't know why you're being driven. <clears throat> so it's mainly about developing that awareness, developing an awareness to, to it in order to, mm -hmm. yeah, to not let it basically take control. I have to control it, not it control me. Me, yes, exactly. And it is such a relief when you find out, yeah, I can control this stuff. I am not its slave. I'm the boss here. It's, no matter how to... obstructed the mind is, I can take care of it. I can handle this. I think it, it's always, a, it's like, a, it's a bit of, what's needed is a bit of a perception shift. Because we always tend to think that things happen to us, not that we have the, an opportunity to make something happen. It's always just things happening to us. You know, like we are the, the center point and there's just all kinds of things that are happening to us. Which but means that we're always on defense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, when we don't feel like that we're on defense... Because there's really, there is no incoming, that that's, that's all made up, and that I'm already okay, then I'm not on defense anymore. And the defense is so debilitating because, you number one, you feel like there's nothing you can enjoy, because the minute you decide to open up, there's a chance of something happening. Exactly. And then number two, the smallest things irritate you, because it's like, it, there just has to be one tiny thing that goes wrong. And it's like, yes, of course, I predicted this. I predicted something would go wrong. You know, it, it, it's, it's not even a big thing, but it, it, and it's probably something you'd get over really easily. But it's that, that like, it's always having to protect something about mm -hmm. myself that's, you know? Okay. Well, it's, what... <clears throat> one of the best ways of looking at the Buddha's Eightfold Noble Path is to understand that we can come to a kind of an attitude that is is referred to as the lion. You've heard him referred to as the lion. 
the attitude that I can handle anything also means that we can handle anything, which means that we can be vulnerable. We can be open. We don't have to be ready for anything by being on defense and and being hunkered down and with a great big fortress. We can open the doors. We're that powerful. We're that strong. We're so strong that we don't need any defense. Because there's nothing there to harm us. But all of the enemies that I was defending myself from, really, I made up in my own mind. (laughs) That the world really is there out there to do me good. Everybody out there is suffering and hurting and all on defense. Everybody's on defense. It's 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 like weird because you have something that happens to you once. And because it's happened to you once, then you it's like you constantly expect it to happen again. But there's no mm-hmm. chance. There's like there's almost no chance. If it's happened to you once, there's almost no chance of the same thing happening to you again, especially if you've learned from the thing that's happened to you once. I like know. Your body tends to just like, you know, prepare itself for the event. Of it, the, like, you know, the psychologists are very fond of uh, a- examining and analyzing childhood traumas that cause quirks in people's behavior their whole lives. Just yeah. one event happened in childhood, and now they map their whole life skirting around to not having that happen again. All kinds of really strange things like that. Yeah. Uh, so yes, you're absolutely right, but. The the point about it is with the psychologists is that the ones that they want to study are the ones that have a spectacular outcome because they had a spectacular trauma. The reality is that every one of us kids have traumas, little ones, (laughs) and that we go around reacting, trying to make sure those little traumas don't happen again, and it really gets in our way of being happy. Yeah. It escalates, put it that way. Those little traumas that we keep trying to avoid now create other traumas that we deal with later on. And like that, it just escalates the whole thing. Well, congratulations, you're safe. And you're beginning to wake up to the fact that you don't have to feel like you're in danger because there's no danger. Yeah, there is no danger. We could say that what that really is is that's the self-preservation instinct. It's an instinctual behavior that we have inside that kept us alive as a species. Without that instinct of uh, self-preservation, we would have been wiped out as a, as a species. But then so would our um, whatever animal ancestry we had if they didn't have that survival instinct. So it goes all the way right down to the cell level. Even um, viruses will mutate to survive. I mean, that's how no, deep no, the survival yeah, issue, right. So, so we've got quite an instinctual past that we come right through into our DNA yeah. that is, and its job is to be a messenger of danger. Yeah. That's what the self-preservation instinct is all about, is to be a messenger of danger. Well, guess, how, guess what language it speaks then? This speaks the language of fear. Yeah. And that's what it, and so that's the language that's being spoken to you is the language of fear and you're seeing it as anxiety and you don't like it where in fact the reality is this is very natural. 
It's very natural. And it will be to your benefit if you nourish it and become friends with it and understand what it's like and get it kind of fixed up so that it's only going to go off at the right time rather than all these extra false positives. Mm. Mm. That more than once you have had your life saved because you could tell the inherent danger, don't go in there. Don't get in that car with that guy. Don't do that. I am a little bit of a fear junkie. So, like, I like heights and I like the things that I, I enjoy public speaking. I enjoy all of those things. But as soon as I know that the pressure of a deadline is upon me, or I know that I'm being assessed for uh, my quality of work, or I'm being assessed for something like that, my anxiety just goes crazy. It's not even like the the, the obvious fears that bother me. I'm not bothered by that at all. It's more about what other people think of me that actually bothers me. Which is... Mm -hmm. And guess what? In reality, they don't care. (laughs) They're too worried about themselves and their own anxiety about what other people care about them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And everybody goes around in that bumble always worried about what other people think about me and nobody's actually being nurturing and kind to anyone. Because they're all too worried about what people think about me. So if you go around being kind and nurturing all of those people who so desperately need it, you'll have a big, wide friendship audience. Yeah, I completely. Because you're giving them what they're looking for. They're looking for a way to feel good, and you can walk right up to their anxiety and say, "Hey, I know you too." <laughs> that would be the wholesome thing to do, wouldn't it? Yes, but now you're learning to enjoy it rather than hating it. Yeah. Okay. That this neurochemical system that we've got going in the body, I mean, has got some value to it. So there's no reason for us to like one part of it and hate another. Where, in fact, what we need to do is to get it working in a harmonious way. Yeah, that's an interesting way to think of it, actually. You can't, you can't hate certain neurotransmitters or chemicals in your body. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't intend right. to do anything to you. I know. It's so funny that people hate the way they feel. And yet they're completely a slave to the way they feel. That is a very awesome way to think about it. <laughs> and a very wholesome way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That will definitely help me, um, I think try and put reframe those ill feelings and ill sensations like my body's not trying to do this to me it's not trying to make me feel horrible it's just Mm -hmm. chemicals it's just sensations okay okay and so therefore you can see it as a new friend or a new toy to play with rather than a dangerous rodent you've got in the house yeah I think that's the thing. It's reframing the anxiety as a friend. As you said, it's just it's it's it's, it's the same thrill. It's it, that's all it is. It's just interpreted differently in different mm-hmm. people. Exactly. So you think and so I give I, you full permission. To... You do not have to hate yourself or any aspect of yourself. You're okay just as you are, anxiety and all. Without that anxiety, you wouldn't have gotten where you are now. And I think you're pretty pleased with where you are now. So you should at least thank it and and, uh, pay respect for the fact that it has been some useful to you already. 
It has. It, it, has. it is not 100% trash. It's got its benefits. I completely agree. It does. It helps me work under pressure at times. Um, yeah, but it's just a man matter of being able to focus that energy. As you said, it's an excitement, it's a thrill, and it's just a matter of making it my friend so that I can refocus it into, into other activities. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Okay. I think I'm going to try this for another week and see if it, um, yeah, I'd love to hear you again. Let's see what this is going. So now you've got a new tool to play with. Because if you sit there in meditation, this anxiety is going to come back up. It's an old friend of yours. You won't have too much trouble finding anxiety to play with. <laughs> okay.